seven. What's the 411? When you see me kneel like Kaepernick, call a reverend. So I got a million in the stash for a wedding. If you ready, let me know, cause it's whatever. Broadcasting live from UNLV. KUNV Las Vegas. That's how we already know. 91.5, The Rebel HD2. Talk to talk, we talk to talk from the shots that's called to the tomahawks to the league boss and the ones who lost. Give it to me once, I don't drop the ball to the home runs that was out the park. Kershaw when I'm pitching off, Kobe the Howard, he looking soft. LA Rams in the city, y'all got special guests, got breaking news. Come talk to talk with Chatterbox. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is 12 o'clock. On a Sunday afternoon, so you know what time it is. It's time for Talk That Talk on 91.5, the Rebel HD2, KUNV Las Vegas, the broadcast service of UNLV. I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson, in studio with Scarlet and Gray, free press extraordinaire, Salim Dweck, back-to-back weeks. Hey, what's up, guys? What's going on, big dog? It's good to be back, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me on again. Always, brother, always. You know, this, this, this invitation never goes away. It's always open. Um... First of all, let's start right here. You walked in with a bottle of water. Yeah, so uh, Ramadan ended last night. Okay, talk to me. It's now uh, Eid al-Fitr, which is uh, basically like a feast. It's a big holiday after, right after Ramadan ends. Mm-hmm. Some countries, it's like three days. Some, it's just one, right. some two. But uh, this year, it's a little different, obviously, because of coronavirus. But yeah, man, it was, it was weird. Like this morning, I was telling you before, like, I drank some water in the morning. I was like, oh, I broke my fat. And then I was like, oh, okay, I'm good. You're all good to go. <laughs> so you, you kind of mentioned it already, but you said that it's a little different now because of the coronavirus pandemic. How is it different? Like, do you guys normally do it in a community-type setting? Yeah, like going to the mosque or, like, okay. people. Um, I don't have much family on Vegas, so it doesn't affect me too much. But, like, people don't want to, like, go visit their families and stuff, especially, like, uh, older parents because, you know, you don't want to kill your grandma. Right. This is a rational thing. Uh, oh, I would hope so. I, common sense, not so common no more. <laughs> that is true. That is true. We well, of course, we know that beyond beyond the realm of uh, certain things are beyond the realm of possibility, and common sense oh, is yeah, definitely man. one of those things. But um, I mean, you you talked a little bit about it last week and the journey that you kind of take uh, every time you you step out and you uh, you step on onto that ledge because you you kind of talked about the level of discipline that it takes. Yeah. Um, but I mean, in hindsight, like, what's what's your feelings afterward? Feels uh, actually, it takes like a week after like to get your appetite back because you just mm. you kind of like forget. Oh yeah, I have to eat. I gotta sustain myself. Right. I need sustenance. <laughs> so how often do I guess? This is the better question to ask. Every year that you do it, does the appetite come back in a different time frame? Like, does Usually it take a week for me, sometimes? It's, it's the same thing, like same. four or five days around there. Sometimes longer, but... Uh yeah, usually around four or five days, and then I start to get used to eating again. My stomach's like, oh, okay, so this is what we're doing now? <laughs> so this is food. Okay, okay. So I remember this thing. You wanted to be petty for a month, and now... Uh... <laughs> so, okay, so what are, what's like the longest that you've seen somebody try to go back to adjust in a regular life after Ramadan? Oh, I don't know. I mean, some people, like, uh, you know, after... You know, people get late because you don't go... I mean, some people go to the gym during Ramadan. I personally don't. Mm-hmm. Especially because the gyms are closed, like I eat at night. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some extra. I'm gonna do some push-ups and stuff. <laughs> and then I 
You're like, no, I'm not. Oh, man. I, <laughs> like, I, no, just, I'm not. I knock out on the couch. Uh, some people, you know, don't want to go back to the gym because now they're like, oh, I don't want to do that, man. I just, <laughs> you get out of that, that grind. But um, I think everybody kind of adjusts like in their own way. Uh, for me, like I said, it's four or five days. I get my appetite back and I get used to, oh, yeah, I have to eat food. <laughs> I have to sustain my, my, my way of living. Um, but no, in all seriousness, um, I think we talked about it a little bit last week. So congratulations to you. Thank you, man. You, I really appreciate you it. You explained the, the, the discipline and the detail that goes into it. And I think a lot of people just look at it as, oh, a person just keeps from eating for however long. And I don't think they necessarily know um, everything that kind of goes into it. And I think you specified hey, a little, some of the specifics last week. And it's hard here in Vegas just because now, especially when it's this time of year, because it goes on the lunar calendar. Oh, my. So, like, every year Ramadan's, like, it starts 10 days earlier than the last time it started. And then it just keeps going around. So, you So, know, it's hard to get your body on a typical gauge for it. Like, there's no real clock for you to be on because, like you said, every year is changing. Well, like, for instance, uh, this year it started April 23rd. Okay. I believe last year it started early May. Oh, okay. okay. And the year before that, it was started, uh, like, middle of May. And, oh, man, when it was in June or July a few years ago... I'm guessing yeah. that was difficult. But here in Vegas, now the days are long. It, the sun gets up at like 545. For um, sure. It's dry. It's 100 degrees. It's hell, man. <laughs> and it's 100 degrees at like 9 in the morning. Like, it's like, what are you doing to me right now? But, um, no, again, like in all seriousness, congratulations to you. Thank you. Um, if you guys are just tuning in to this show, you guys are just barely walking into the door. You got still about two hours with us. We've just barely been on the air for close to six minutes. You guys are listening to Talk That Talk on 91.5, the Rebel HD2, KUNV Las Vegas, the broadcast service of UNLV. Once again, guys, really quick, I do just want to let you guys know, of course, the first 25 minutes of this show typically gives you guys an idea of what um, the extension of this radio show um, is like, which is our OD podcast, uh, the overly dedicated podcast. Shout out to Kendrick. Um, that it's definitely oh, yeah, that's a great album. Oh, by far, it's bro. Great album. Like, and it's one of those things to where I named it the OD podcast simply because um, I think people, of course when they hear OD, they think of different things and they think of a thousand different things. But right. I think Kendrick was brilliant in taking OD and saying it's positive to be OD. Like it's positive to be overly dedicated to something. And it's a great album. It's an amazing it album. It's so much like, better. So, like if, so it, if it sucked, that would it'd be like, damn. But <laughs> Yeah, I, I would think if it was an album that I couldn't live with for, what is it now, almost 10 years now. It's crazy. It, it makes me kind of look back and be like, yeah, this this is the name of my podcast because especially at the time when we were all doing it, um, of course it started while we were here in college. Um, a lot of us that were on the show all are classmates of mine. Uh, we all have independent jobs. We all have radio shows. We work for the newspaper. Just we all have different things. So to to team up and do a podcast out of our own pocket, right? You got to be dedicated special. for that. Yeah, you got to be some sort of dedicated for that. But um, I said all of that to say. The podcast is back. Yesterday, we went ahead and, re and recorded episode 18. Um, shout out to Capri. Shout out to Duna. Shout out to Aaliyah for being on the episode. Episode 18. The episode title is called Patronacy. I'm assuming that's something to do with Patron and Hennessy. Absolutely. But maybe, you know, maybe my brain is still a little foggy. <laughs> nah, my man, I think it's right on point. Uh, it's definitely what it sounds like. The episode title is Patronacy. Um, uh, really quick, I just we we talked about so many different things since um, 
since it's been so long since we finally potted. But uh, we did it via Zoom. I think I'm going to try to keep that going um, every week uh, moving forward until we can get back in studio and see each other's faces. But uh, one thing that we had, we had a conversation and we were talking about Instagram live battles and we were talking about the previous battles. And it seemed like the, I, I like to just follow the flow of the conversation. I wanted to talk about a lot of the IG battles that had happened. And I guess because it's been so long since we last potted, there's it was a little almost it was almost like it was too many to kind of go back and revisit. Right. So the conversation just did what it did. And eventually we started talking about battles that we potentially would like to see. OK. And, you know, just, you know, we, we definitely had some moments where we were thrown in the in the fire because we were we named one person and we had to think of somebody to go against them like in that moment so any was, genre or um we, we were only doing rap only because um well i shouldn't say only doing rap it's more solo but yeah it was kind of what we were talking about at the time um for instance like erica badu and jill scott never came up but um it is something that would have came up but I feel like once we started just kind of like throwing certain names out, right, everything right. kind of stuck with rap. But one of the first names that came up was uh, Nicki. And they were saying, um, uh, who would Nicki Minaj versus Battle be against? And I was kind of looking around and I was like, I think Nicki's getting a lot of dudes out of here. Uh, yeah. If we're, I, if we're talking about 20 hits... But you can yeah, pick she has anything. She has hits. Like, you can pick features. You can pick... And it's funny, because when we said that, we started naming her features. And I had named, like, three or four of her features before I got to any Drake feature. Yeah. And she, I was like, guys, like, like I think... money days. Yeah, I'm like, guys, I think you guys... And that's not even talking about the buzz that she made before. Like, the buzz that she... When she was dropping freestyles before, like, some of those are heavy, bro. She can rap, man. Like they hit. So I'm. I was telling a lot of the people, like, or a lot of the um the people that was potting with me, Nikki's gonna get a lot of people out of here. So just for just for just for giggles, we were kind of talking, and they were like, "Well, if you had to think of a guy right now, who would you pick?" And I was like, "For like, I couldn't even think of one in the moment." So I was like, "Let's just stay within our camp. Let's stay within the Young Money camp." I said, "How much of a close battle would it be if she went back and forth with Tiger?" She probably would, even though Tyga has hits, man. I'm, I'm not so gonna, glad you said that. I, look, I, I know that some people feel a certain way about him as a person. Okay, so let's get this out. Please go ahead. Let's go ahead. But I'm I mean, so Tyga has it. hits, man. I'm so happy you took this conversation where you took it. Tyga has... When I said that... Oh, my God. Man. When I said that, the look... I, I'm pretty sure Duna gave me the look. He was like, Tyga? And I was like, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're talking about 20 songs. I said, I'm going to be completely honest. I said, this battle, if they were to do it, it depends solely on who starts first. Right. Because if Tyga opens up with Rack City, what does Nikki doesn't have one. Not like that. If he follows that up with Taste, with Offset, I'm not sure Nikki has one. There was, I forget the name. There was another Tyga song I really loved. It was like... Uh... Better have my money. Like, if Tyga goes back and plays certain ratchet stuff from when we were in high school... Dude, a lot of people are gonna have a hard time getting Tiger out of here. Now these battles—is it just song against song, or it has to be like a hit? So that's the thing. That's and that's what's funny because that's what we tried to—that's what we tried to talk about in the podcast. We were right. like, "What is the parameters of the battle? Like, right, right. are we doing best verse, or are we doing impact of the song?" Because I said it. If we're doing impact of the song, 
Tiger has hits that ring off across the world. Yeah, and I feel like these battles aren't necessarily saying, oh, who's the better artist? Exactly. They're not. It's like a hit battle, you know? Exactly. Certain artists that are great, but just, you know, they're more like album guys. Exactly. uh, Mixtape guys or anything. Yeah, but like like radio hits, I mean, first of all, I don't, and, you know, I love Jay-Z, but I don't think there's anybody beating Drake in a hits battle. Drake has a cheat code that's a little unfair. And it's funny that you mentioned Jay-Z because I'm going to try this now. I told him I was going to call him. I'm not sure if he's actually going to answer the phone. But I'm going to try this because uh, <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> we're going to try this live on air right now. H to the Izzo. Oh, my gosh, bro. We're about to see this right now. <laughs> I feel like this can go really bad. What is the deal, sir? Duna, you are live on Talk That Talk right now, my man. You are in front of a hot mic. Of course, it's the first 25 minutes of this show, so we're, you know, just kind of, you know, kind of kind of just shooting it back and forth. And, of course, the podcast from last night came up. And we're sitting here having our conversation about Nikki. And Salim said something that was rather interesting. He said he loves Jay-Z. But he doesn't think anybody's beating Drake in a hit battle. And I told him in terms of a hit battle, Drake has a cheat code. So that one, yeah, we would have to go back and look at that because Drake's and number me, of hits is out is outrageous. And let, and let me be clear. I think Jay-Z is the best of it. Oh, yeah, of course, My opinion. Of So let me so let me explain this then. Since Celine brought up Jay Z, I thought this would be a perfect time to bring you up. And we were talking about Nikki, and of course we kept it in the camp. So we were like Nikki versus Tiger. So that that conversation left or whatever. And then the conversation became, well, who takes on Wayne? So instantly I said, well, if you letting Wayne pick twenty of whatever he wants, I'm gonna have to go Jay. And this is where the conversation takes a left for me. Are we including all of Wayne's mixtape stuff? Yes. Oh, then. Exactly, it's right? Over. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know, brother. Let me explain something. <laughs> Let me explain something to you guys real quick. And this is what's funny. And this is what's so funny because the same way that, that Duna said, Tiger, he looked at me and said, Jay. And I kept my, kept my conversation going. He said it again. And I said, wait oh you're doing this on purpose like you're mocking him like you're laughing at (laughs) i was like wait a minute hold on i said in all seriousness i said duna it's not close and originally duna said it wouldn't be a close battle and i was like wait a minute hold on wait a minute we're talking about jay-z i mean in in theory you could put the entire blueprint album and five extra songs and this is what So again, so again, guys, this podcast is up, so you guys can go listen to it right now on Apple or Spotify. It should be up on YouTube by the end of the week. So you guys go verify what Duna's telling you guys right now, because the way he made it seem at first was if Jay had no shot. So that's when I asked him, okay, well, what would the score be? And he told me 11 to 10. I said, 11, 10, who? He said, Wayne. I said, that's 21. So it's a tie and they got to go to a bonus track. And he was like, yeah. I said, all right, cool. 
I said I truthfully don't think that like you're you're in your mind. I don't think you're touching all of Jay's discography. I don't. And he said he can only. And this is this is the part that threw me. He said you can only play things from the blueprint. And I said who can only play things from the blueprint? <laughs> I said me. I said you know uh, what? I said and this is what's gonna be interesting because we're gonna do this battle this this versus battle on the podcast live next time we shoot. And I told Duna. The funny part is, I don't care what he plays from Wayne. I don't care what I play from Jay. Me personally, yeah. out of the two favorites, which one would I rather hear? 90% of the time, I'm going to pick Wayne. I would much rather hear Wayne. Yeah, I'm a Wayne baby. I'm I a Wayne generation Wayne. I kid. I love Lil Wayne. So I personally would listen to Wayne more. But to say that Jay doesn't have hits is wild to me. And then, like, these versus battles, I mean, like, they're interesting. Don't get me wrong. And they're entertaining. Bro, you said he could only play stuff from the blueprint. And and because of that, because and, and I'm, I'm happy he keeps saying that. Because, hold on, let me let me lean over next to Salim really quick. Salim, you're looking at this list right now. I'm not going to say the list, but just to make it a point. Just to make it a point. I started making my Jay-Z list last night. I'm at 30 before I even get to the blueprint. I have 41 That's songs what I mean. on this like, list. Jay-Z has hits on hits on hits on hits. Like, trust me when I tell you, I'm going to play hits that the world is going to know. And that's not even including songs like Lucky Me or Marcy. Like, and you know the funny part? You want to know the funny part about this, though, Duna? I'm going to tell you the, the specifics of my battle right now. And this is almost cheating. But I have this list of 41 songs right now. 11 of them are from the Blueprint. 30 were not. I just want to give you the two rules that I'm giving myself. Yeah. yeah. Every, every song that I have on this list is a Jay-Z song. It's not a song he's featured on. It's his. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, wait. Hold on. You said who? Go ahead. Go ahead. So the first point is I'm using all Jay-Z songs. I'm not using anything that he was listed as a feature on. And the second point that I'm about to make, and I want this point to be taken to heart. These 41 Jay-Z songs that I have, I didn't touch Reasonable Doubt. And that might, a lot of people argue that's his best that's album. That's his best album. So if I beat you in this heat, in this hit battle, and, I, and honestly, I was going to tell you, too, we can go to 30, we can go to 40. I truthfully don't care. I have 41 songs right now, and I didn't touch Reasonable Doubt, and I didn't touch Jay's features. I love Wayne. Why are you making me do this to him? <laughs> I'm not making you do anything. I'm letting you know. I haven't even touched none of the albums, no Carters, none of that. I haven't even touched none of the albums. I've only touched mixtapes. <laughs> what about the squad up mixtapes? Like, so, you got, you got 40? I do. Yes. But again, like, like like I said, I don't think you guys understand. These 40 songs are from, in, in theory, these 40 songs are from five albums, essentially. I didn't touch anything that he did with Rockefeller. I didn't touch Reasonable Doubt. I didn't touch any of his features. I didn't touch, I didn't touch a whole 40% of Jay's, of Jay's career. And I have 40 songs. I have enough for two hit battles right now. I've only touched his 
this is going to be so fun. And I'm letting you know right now, it's only one J feature that I will play, and it's based on what you do. Is that, and that's all I'm going to say. So back to what I was saying uh, last night when you were saying that Jay doesn't have hits. And I was, and my favorite song by Jay is PSA. That's just me personally. So I asked you, have you ever heard PSA? When you said what is Wayne or what is he going to play when a Millie comes on? First of all, I have my answer for that, by the way. I have my answer for when a Millie comes on. I know exactly what I'm going to play for when a Millie comes on. I know exactly what I'm going to play when Lollipop comes on. So when you were saying like what, what hits does Jay have? Between PSA, Moment of Clarity, Dirt Off My Shoulder, uh, Encore. You don't know. Um, Big Pimpin', You Don't Know, H to the Izzo, December 4th, Change Clothes, Run This Town, A Star Is Born, Empire State of Mind. What are we talking about? Mess with me, you know I got it. What are we, what are we doing right now? That Ross feature, what are we doing? What are we talking about? Tom Ford, Oceans, what are we? Holy Grail. Like, That's not the case. Oh my! <laughs> Time out. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Bro, and this is what bothers me. Wait, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. And just by and just by definition, just by definition, and like I'm not trying to like you can use whatever you want, I don't care. But just by definition, a hit like how much do mixtape battles cons or how much do mixtape bars factor into that? Because that's somebody else's song that you just did a remix to. Man, music's so sub that's why like you know, these verses, they're fun, but it's so subjective, man. Yeah. Like, so, of course, I'm, I look at mixtape, well, I look at Wayne in general and say Wayne is, is probably undefeated, but I look at certain things like that. If we're doing a hit battle, show me 20 hits that you made. Don't give me ice cream paint job. So, 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 so are you telling me, you telling me that I can't, I can't throw in, I can't throw in the mixtapes? That's not what I said. I said you can play what you want because I'm confident in Jay. You can play whatever you want. I'm just saying in terms of hits. Like in terms of hits that you make, I agree. We had that conversation yesterday. And that's what's interesting too, because I think what I wanted to do, and that's what me and Salim was just talking about right now, was what are the parameters for the battle? And this may be different for me, but I want it to be an anthem battle. I do. Because what did I tell you? I don't, I'm not trying to go into the battle with Jay's bars and I'm like, listen to the lyrics. Listen to this first verse. Listen, I'm not doing that. I'm going to play certain things that when you hear, it takes you back to a certain time. It takes you back to a certain moment. It takes you back to a certain smell outside. Like, it takes you back to a certain street corner. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play certain things that when you hear, what are you going to do when Hard Knock Life come on? Like, bro, I'm telling you, dog, like, this list is extensive, brother. 
It's extensive as hell. So I'm telling you right now, I'm having so much fun with this battle. I'm going to play certain things, and you're going to be nodding. And by the way, everything you play from Wayne, I'm going to rap, word for word. I'm letting you know right now, because I'm going to, my, my, like I said, if I'm going to pick which album I can listen to, I'm going to pick a Wayne album. But doesn't deny that Jay-Z has hits that most rappers can't even compare to. Again, we'll see next week. So subjective. Super subjective. So, I hope this battle, I hope this battle, I hope we go 30 rounds and I hope we still can't figure out who won. Yeah, like, just I disagree hope this on all of them. <laughs> yeah, just disagree on all of them. That's to be honest with you, I'm not gonna lie. I think it's gonna be a lot of, of rounds where there's gonna be like 40% of people or 50% of people saying J1, and you gonna have another 50% that's like, nah, there's no way Wayne got that one. So it's gonna be interesting, no doubt, but I'm not even gonna lie. I can't wait to do it. Doing it, we appreciate you, brother. The episode is up. It's on Apple, it's on Spotify. It should be on YouTube later this week. I appreciate you, my man. We'll talk to you soon. Of course, man. Peace out, everybody. Y'all time. Yes, sir. And again, guys, you guys are listening to Talk That Talk on 91.5, the Rebel HD2, KUNV Las Vegas, the broadcast service of UNLV. I am your host, Terrell. Right next to me is Salim. We'll be right back after this short break. KUNV is proud to support Chiba Hut. Chiba Hut's signature toasted subs are available from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. at the Maryland Parkway location across from UNLV and from 10 a.m. to midnight at the Durango and Sahara locations. Chiba Hut now has limited contact ordering through the garage doors on the patio, no contact curbside pickup, and delivery through DoorDash and Grubhub. They'll challenge your authority because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch until you hear that click. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. The Rebel HD2. Welcome back. Welcome back to Talk That Talk on 91.5, Rebel HD2, KUNV Las Vegas, the broadcast service of UNLV. I'm your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson, in studio with Celine Dweck. And me and Celine were just laughing and talking still about that Wayne and, and Jay-Z conversation for the, for the hip battle. And we, we were just discussing what was on my list. And Celine is the only person who's seen my list. And um, I don't know exactly which order. I'm going to play a lot of the songs in, but what I do know is, like I, like I was telling Dune, I know certain things that I'm going to play in response to certain things. I know what I'm going to play when How to Love comes on. I know what I'm going to play when Lollipop comes on. I know what I'm going to play when Amelie comes on. Certain songs you know, it's, it's funny, I have though. a response for. It's funny, though. Like, I love pretty much all of Wayne's music, mm -hmm. but those songs you just mentioned aren't even like in my top 20, top 30 favorite. <laughs> when he said Fireman, I said, that's what you went to? Out of all things that you can go to, if you go to Fireman, I'm looking at Wayne's discography like I was at song 56 before I got to Fireman. As far as like stuff that you remember, like Go DJ is definitely got to Yeah, you got to be like something you remember. Um, That's a hit, bro. I mean, I don't know how old people were when that song came out, but I was like, was that come out in 2005? It was 2006, I want to say, because I was in middle school. So I think I was in sixth grade. So I was like nine years old. 
It's insane, brother. Yeah. And this is it's such a slap, bro. Like that. Uh, this is gonna be so fun. It doesn't really matter. Again, I don't think anybody can lose in a battle like this when you're playing Jay records and when you're playing Wayne records. So this is gonna be uh, fun, nonetheless. It's gonna be a conversation piece, nonetheless. Um, but when we were talking about my list, I just want to reiterate. There's no J features on there. So if you think about Jay's best features, features, and I didn't use any of them, any, not one. I didn't use Reasonable Doubt. And I think when I was looking at my list, what did I just tell you? I think I have two Pharrell-produced tracks on my list. Excuse me, miss. Like, that's insane. Like, to look at it from that perspective, I don't... And, and even when I was making the argument for Jay... I didn't even realize how bolstered my argument was until I started scrolling through the discography. And I was like, yeah, no, nah, I stand on everything I said. Imagine just in a career just pumping out that much good music. And the ability to kind of just sit back and watch it and watch what it does and watch how people grow with it and age with it and mature with it. Like Jay is in a different, Jay is in a different atmosphere. In terms of music, and I, I will admit that most people will never be better at anything than Jay Z was at making music. True, and, and not even that. Let me put it this way: some people will not be as good in whatever their field is as Jay Z is with not just making music as Jay Z is in the music industry. Yeah, and one thing I've always said about Jay Z, like um, the the NFL deal, I definitely. Um, not not specifically the NFL deal, but that initiative that came with kids cutting off their locks for a fresh start. That I didn't like that. I thought that was gross. But outside of that, I've always looked at everything that Jay has done and said, you may not have liked how he went about it. You may not have liked how it ended up. Jay-Z won in this situation. Like Jay-Z said, he's a businessman. <laughs> not a business, man. I'm a business, man. Oh, man. Gotta let him handle that business, but um, all right. Let me go ahead and get this back going. I guess we should probably talk some sports now, right? Yeah, sounds good, yeah, right? We, um, they they do say that this is a sports show, so why yeah. not? I guess that's what they call it. Really quick, before I, uh, we go ahead and get to that, let me go ahead and let you guys know what three tip ins my mom sent in today. Defeat may serve as well as victory to shake the soul and let the glory out. Once again, defeat may serve as well as victory to shake the soul and let the glory out. I like that. I, I like that, that one too. Yeah, I like that. She got two other ones, but I'm not going to lie. These other ones are kind of heavy. I like these. So I want to wait. And I think I want to just use a defeat one for today. And maybe for the next two weeks, you don't have to send me one. But thank you, Mom. Shout out. I appreciate you. Um, My dad's sipping. He sent it to me already too. So we can get into that later on. Um, Where you want to start, man? You want to start NBA? You want to start UFC? You want to start uh, Tyson? You want to start? Yeah, did you see the videos? Of oh, my God, bro. So we're starting with the fight game. Blessings. Can I ask one question? Yeah. Why do people want Tyson to kill people? Yeah, like people keep talking about how much money would it take for you to take a hit by Tyson to the face or like to the liver? To the liver. He can, yo, first of all, he can split that joint. Like he can split your liver. However much it costs for the <laughs> facial reconstruction surgery. I need double that. And then, like, yeah, like you said, double that. For you know? sure. <laughs> Bro, because, like, what do you... I need to live regular after this. Like, what is your problem? First of all, this is what I heard. I don't know how true this is. I heard some organization, some entity, some crazy, somebody crazy in an office 
offered Mike Tyson $20 million to join their bare-knuckle boxing league. Yeah, that, that's very rude. Who's going to fight him? I think that's very strange. Um, I don't like it one bit. Who's going to fight him? Tyson might do that for $2 million. Tyson said that he wants to fight for charity. He doesn't need the money. So yeah, giving him $20 like, million to essentially kill somebody for charity, what are you guys doing? They said he was thinking about doing something with uh, Holyfield. You ready to get into that? I think that'd be How old is he? How old is Evander? Evander, that's a better That's a good question. I know Tyson is 53, I think. Evander Holyfield is Holyfield age. He's 57. However, I have told my dad, have you heard interviews from Holyfield um, about the the ears incident and just and it's, no, it's happened ye it's happened for years so like he'll do interviews and of course it comes up and whatever the case may be i tell my dad all the time you can hear holyfield when he talks about it to this day he would fight tyson every year if he had the chance you know if somebody ripped my ear off uh, we're going to yo this is forever you ever see that those episodes of family guy with peter and the chicken, the chicken? it's on site every time man <laughs> it's tom and jerry bro it's no words like when I see you, it's it's action. Why are we talking? <laughs> Why are we talking? No, if someone bit my like, bro, bit it off. What is it? I, you know, I haven't seen the photo. What does his ear look like now? It's it looks as if you ever seen a pit bull get his um ears uh, clipped. I hate when that. Yeah. Yeah, and they're pointy. Yeah. Like so, if you ever seen them when they first do it, and the stitches are in there, and like that rough side where the stitches are, yeah. it's like that. But it's uh, clearly it's not like raw meat still there. It's been it's healed and everything. But his ear is formed like that like it's cut it looked like it got clipped oh my god so my dad interestingly enough my dad was like well i don't know if you've seen the fight of course he i tell my dad all the time like we have mixed martial arts i watched tito i watched chuck liddell i watched hoyce gracie even i watched matt hughes i watched some of the greatest mixed martial artists of all time right i told my dad my boxers don't even compare with yours like i think maybe two of my boxers probably could have survived back then i don't think very many other ones can um but in, in saying that, he said, when you watch that fight, he said Tyson was letting the referee know the entire time, like, Holyfield kept leaning in and kept headbutting him. And oh. I told my dad, okay, I understand. And I, I mean, I'm not saying it is right by no means. However, we'll be foolish to think that veterans in sports like that don't do certain things. For instance, I was watching the Diego Sanchez um uh, UFC fight not too long ago against Mickey Gall, and Mickey Gall was complaining that he was holding his um his glove because clearly that's illegal. You can't control somebody's glove like that. But Diego Sanchez had um had his back, and Mickey Gall's face was almost pushed against the cage. Oh my god! So it's like I'm holding your glove almost by your belly button. People can't see this. Diego Sanchez has been fighting for 14 years. He's a veteran. Yeah. So he knows certain things to where it's not hurting you, but it does give him the advantage. Similar situation with Holyfield. When my dad said that, I said, Dad, you're right. You're probably on to something. However, I have watched enough boxing to know how many people have for have Tyson hit with his elbow and his forearm. We've seen uh, his uppercuts. Last night, I think it was, on ESPN, they were showing like uh, a few Tyson fights mm -hmm. from when he was like 20, 21 years old. Insane. My God. Insane. That... But I told my dad, Tyson was one of those, when he threw hooks, he swung through them. So there were some times, if you were close enough, you got clipped with an elbow. You did. Yeah. At a young age, Tyson had veteran instincts. So I'm pretty sure Holyfield was getting caught with forearms and elbows. 
by the age of 22 years old, Mike Tyson was 36 and 0. Unbelievable. 36 and 0 at 22. And people want him to fight with nothing on his knuckles. Why? Uh, yeah. And it doesn't. Okay, yeah, like you know. But I think Tyson could punch through cement, bro. Like I'm serious. The hand speed, the quick, like he's still the power. That I mean, just the speed at 53 years the old. The foot to have, speed. To have that amount of speed at that age. For any age, honestly. My my entire thing is regardless of who's fighting Tyson and like who's in the ring with like uh, granted, if he's fighting somebody who's in their prime right now, fighting for, for WBC and IBF uh heavyweight championships, now we have a problem, I yeah. think. But if you get somebody that's his age, I'm telling you now, Tyson's going to walk forward like he did before. Yeah, and he's going to walk forward. I think there's certain dudes like in their thirties right now he could like sure. I think he could definitely sure. take those guys. The reason is, this is my whole thing. If he's fighting a person like a Tyson Fury, for instance, Tyson Fury is go not going to let him hit him. And Tyson Fury is almost a foot taller than him. Too, exactly. So he's going to lean on him. So that's what I'm saying. Like a person like that, I think we would look at Tyson and be like, this isn't a good nah. look for you. So that's what I keep saying. And I think Max had a good point too. Max Kellerman saying, if anybody that's over the age of 50 that wants to fight him, now we can kind of have fun because it's, it's, it's an exhibition. We don't expect it to necessarily go the distance. However, back to what I was saying before, if anybody gets in the ring with him, your one goal with Tyson is what? Survive. Not get hit. So yeah, how are you going to win yeah. if you can't get hit? I mean, if you can't, because a lot of people, depending on who's fighting them, I don't think they're going to throw that many. They're going to get in there trying to survive. Yeah, man. I would. There's no amount of money. It's none. No. None. As far as just a little sidetrack, what you said about uh, most of today's boxers not being able to compare to the ones of... Marvin know, Hagler walks through half of my generation 60s right now. 60s and 90s and stuff like that. Yes, sir. I feel that that's true for the heavyweight and maybe the light heavyweight. But dude, the like welterweights, uh, I don't know, man. Middleweight, like there's a lot of there's so much talent right now. Especially you think Canelo can last back there? Yeah, Canelo can punch through a brick wall, man. Like that guy is true. The only person that's been able to take a Canelo punch it was Triple G. That's because his jaw is made out of like concrete, the granite. Yeah, the granite. Even, bro. Yeah, that's the only concrete Canelo can't punch through. <laughs> But to be honest with you, I, I mean, I'm not saying that Canelo couldn't, but in terms of his his offensive ability, I go back to getting hit. Can he get hit with I think some Canelo, of those punches from back then? Like I said, uh, you know, it depends his weight class. If he's fighting at 155, absolutely. Some of those 155 battles from my dad's generation that he showed me, bro, they walked into the middle and essentially, you ever have you ever been to boot camp? No. No. Okay, so I haven't either, but I had um, a couple of friends go, and they would come back, and we would use some of the techniques just because, you know what I mean, it it, it, it works. They, they work. So one of the things that I heard was um, they had a drill called lockup where essentially you'll be asleep, and all of a sudden you have to wake up, but it'll be a tire on the side of your bed. It's like, okay. So – when you saw the tire, if it, was, if it wasn't your first time, you kind of knew what you had to do. But essentially, when you wake up, you and whoever the closest person is to you, you step one foot into the tire, and you go at it. The first person to take their foot out the tire loses. So you got to lock in. 
You literally lock it must be in. A big tire. It's a huge tire. Oh, okay. But it's like, but you, but you only putting one foot in. Oh, that's so it? it's one of those things where like your foot is almost like side by side with the other person. So you guys you only can't have one move. foot in. Yeah. Oh, so, so you, you guys know. essentially can't move. You guys literally are locked in. The first person who takes their foot out, you quit. You lost. So that's what I'm saying. 155ers was doing when my dad was growing up. They were walking to the center of the ring and not moving. So my only thing is, do I believe that a Bud Crawford, who I believe is the best pound for pound today? I look at a person like Bud Crawford. I don't think he gets hit very often no. in that generation. However, I don't think there's very many like Bud. So I think a lot of other people who are fighting now gets hit with or gets in one of those two round wars from back then. And their their career trajectory tra trajectory is different. Possibly. I mean, I feel like they also, at least from watching old fights, it seems back then dudes were more offensive oriented, you know, more on the attack. But like not, I mean, today's fighters, I mean, it's hard to hit Canelo, man. Like it's, yeah. like if you go at him and you miss, oh my that God. Counter, that's the thing. Like we're talking about taking punches, which I understand, but when you go with that counter. Oh my gosh, bro. Now, Canelo, did you? I don't know why this happened, but you mentioned that um, the only person to take a punch from Canelo is Triple G. One of my favorite fighters ever, by the way, Triple G. Triple G won that first fight. Absolutely. Um, and I had Canelo in that first fight. Um, <laughs> did you watch that one punch start trending yesterday? It was either yesterday or two days ago. But it was that one punch, and they were like, how did Triple G walk through this? And Canelo was, like, getting backed into a corner, so Triple G was on him. He was moving. Yeah. And Canelo kind of, he kind of fainted, and he threw We're talking him. about the same one, yeah. Yeah. He, I think I think it might have been that looping overhand. Yeah, yeah, and he hit him. Triple G kept walking. Yeah, and, like, people were like, bro, what is You see people in the front row look at each other like, no, did that he guy, hit him? Dude, that guy is steel, man. <laughs> like, did he hit him? Because he never, he never reacted. The thing that sucks with Triple G, man, like he started gaining, like at least here in the states, like notoriety when he was already in his thirties. Exactly, you know? exactly. Because right I, I will say I didn't hear about Triple G until, um, or excuse me, I didn't hear about um, Triple G to that level until the Canelo fight. And it was funny because me and my brother, again, going back to what you said, my brother used to tell me a lot about Triple G. So I used to go to him and be like, "Why is he just getting like recognition now?" My brother asked me a valid question. You ever heard him talk? Yeah, that's true. It's a good point. No, I've I haven't. Never, I've never heard him talk. Never heard him talk. I heard him talk to Canelo fight. Like, and that was it. Like, or around that time, like the pressers and everything leading up to that and the post fight. After that, I told him I've never heard Triple G talk. He was like, he doesn't. He, he, he would rather fight. He just wants to fight. And you either know about him and you appreciate his greatness or you don't. What's he, like 37 though? Something That's a like good that. question. That's a good question. Aren't they fighting in September? Or wanted supposed to fight in September? Yeah, and I feel like they're Now they're not to. doing it, I'm sure. You said, uh, Gennady Golovkin. And he is, Triple G is 38. Oh, wow. Just turned 38, uh, last month. So, Happy yeah, birthday. you were right. So, Triple G is, is 20, or excuse me, um, Canelo's 29 right now. Yeah, that's the thing, like, but that first battle, I agree with you, Triple G won that. For sure. He got I, I, I think, I think he definitely won that fight. Um, so, clearly, we're talking about the fight game now. We, we just talked a little bit about Tyson. I know last week I came in here and said that I was going to get um, into, um, uh, almost, I'm forgetting the name, Jesus. I love Louise. boxing. Fight nights, fight nights, fight nights. 
UFC Fight Nights. Yeah, of course I love boxing. I, I tell my dad that's why I'm I watch so much old boxing though. I feel like because I tell him not not that I have anything against our boxers now, um, but I told my dad like I just think it was different then. And I do. And I told my dad the same way that, like, he he got some mixed martial arts when he was growing up, too. But the things that they have added to the disciplines now, his sport back then doesn't touch my sport now. When did UFC really, like, get invented? When did it get invented? That's a valid, that's a valid question. I, I feel know like it was, like, it kind of took off. Late off. 80s, early 90s? I could be wrong, but I think. Uh... I think I want to say it's, uh, early uh, 90s. Yeah, 93. 93. November 93. Who was like the first UFC like, like? I would probably say Mark Coleman, Hoist Gracie, Ken Shamrock. Was Chuck Liddell? Chuck Liddell, probably Tito. Yeah. I think Tito, no, Chuck came after Tito, I think, because that was their whole, that was their whole riff, was that Tito kind of brought Chuck in, and when Chuck got to the name to where he was supposed to fight Tito, it's almost like Tito didn't want to do it. Um. And that's why it became one of those things where Chuck was kind of like, we don't got to hate each other. Like, we can go. And because he, he almost felt like he was running, that's why that that, I didn't know that. battle got as, as heated as it did. Because they were actually they were actually cool. Um, So, yeah. So, I, I said I was going to get into a couple of UFC fight nights. Um, But it was some heavy hitters, man. It was some heavy hitters at um the past two fight nights. Shout out to the UFC for holding three events in eight days. Man, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And a lot of times I watch UFC, I can't tell you who's fighting, mm -hmm. but I, I I like the fights. <laughs> yeah, I like the fight, and and that's what's funny because trip or excuse me, I'm gonna say Triple G. UFC is an organization that they produce and they put on their best fights. So, like you said, a person who doesn't necessarily know Santiago Ponzinibbio. You know what I mean? Who's yeah, the number? I have no idea that. Yeah, who's like a 15 ranked uh, welterweight in the world right now? Like, an average fan is like, I don't know who that is. But if you watch his fights, he either gets finished or he finishes people. Doesn't uh, doesn't usually go full 12. Or, I mean, not 12. Full, uh, full, full, uh, excuse me, full three. Yeah. So it doesn't usually go the full 15 minutes. Like, it usually doesn't. Right. And that's a name that if you mention to UFC, to hardcore UFC fans, we're like, we know Santiago. Mm. You look at a person like a Cody Garbrandt, we know that name. Like, you know right, what I mean? Right. You look at certain names, the Brian Caraways, the just just a million different names. So it's interesting because fight nights are always that time for me because, of course, UFC pay-per-views, um, they have their bigger names. But I enjoy fight nights so much. Yeah, even the prelims. Absolutely. Because you're like you said, I remember watching Conor fight in the prelim. Yeah. That's what's that's why I love watching prelims because when that person becomes a main event fighter, you go back and you say, I remember when you you were on the prelim for that John Jones card. Yeah, man. You were on the prelim for that Jose Aldo card. I can't wait for John Jones to fight again, man. We're gonna get into that too. Oh man. Cause we I want to talk about who potentially he may fight, and that's a, a whole nother conversation. But one of the fights from Wednesday, did you get a chance to catch um Anthony Smith and Glover Teixeira? That Wednesday, um, I fight night so. yeah yeah Teixeira yeah Teixeira so one right yes so one thing that I'm, I'm gonna start with the winner and I'm gonna lead with love um Glover is and then ironically enough another person that does the exact same thing is the person who fought on the Saturday after that Alistair Overeem though that those are two people that 
they're never out of a fight. Andre Arlovsky too. They're never out of a fight. It doesn't matter how beat up they are. They're so seasoned at the sport. All they need is one opening. Just one. And it's over. And I think that's what's so interesting about Anthony Smith because I absolutely love Anthony Smith. I think he is he is a light heavyweight Cody Garbrandt, in my opinion. He's somebody who's going in with that level of aggression. I'm taking the fight to you. And I believe that's where two things kind of kind of made me. And, and maybe I'm trying to th think of excuses and maybe it's not fair. But looking at that fight, Anthony had it in the bag that first. I shouldn't say had it in the bag, but had control of it the first three minutes of that first round. And it got to a point to where one of two things happened to me, in my opinion. One, he got tired. He shot everything he had, and that's that, that was it. Or if you watched that fight, you heard the combinations that his corner was calling out. And you heard how he would literally piece him up, left, right, left. And you would hear his corner, thank you, thank you. I wonder how much of that in Anthony's mind turned into a sparring session. That's interesting. There's nobody in the, there's nobody in the arena. And all you hear is your corner calling out combos. And he did them on cue. On cue. And they're, he's piecing them up. Thank you, thank you. I wonder how much of it he just started to listen for their calls. As opposed to doing what he did the first three minutes, which was taking the fight to him. Because the exact opposite happened in, in Glover's corner. Glover's corner didn't say a word. So the fight went three rounds? No. It got stopped, I believe, in the third. Oh. Oh, no. I, I lied. Take that back. It was, a, it was the main event. So it was scheduled for a full five. Oh, I full think five. it got stopped in the third. Anthony Smith lost two teeth. Jesus Christ. He ended up losing his mouthpiece. He ended up literally, I think it was a moment where he might have handed the mouthpiece to the referee because it came out and he didn't have a chance to put it back in. And this what was interesting. You saw the corner was leaning. They were right in front of Anthony Smith's corner. He was leaning in. And while he was getting hit, he was like, it's mouthpiece. And the ref had it in his hand and was like, he handed it to me. And you seen a dude in the corner kind of shrug and was like, so? <laughs> Is that why they stopped the fight? No. Oh. That's the interesting part. So the fight goes on, and I think this is the interesting part, and this is what makes it kind of hard for the referee. Because referees are told not to break up dominant position. Anthony Smith was getting pummeled on the ground. Right. His mouthpiece came out, and he didn't have time to put it back in, so he handed it to the ref. So the ref is like, do I stand him up, give him his mouthpiece back? But uh -huh. Glover has dominant position. So in a, for the one of the first times in my life, I felt the cornerman, but I also felt the ref. So it's one of them situations where Anthony is just kind of sitting there getting elbowed in the mouth with nothing in his mouth. And it's it's awkward. And this is what's interesting. And this is what, what Joe Rogan was kind of saying. I've never seen it in my life. Anthony went to the corner and you could tell he was just he was gassed. Glover was wrestling him. He was gassed. And he said that his teeth are falling out. Jesus Christ. Because he was getting elbowed without yeah. the mouth guard. They put the ice on the back of his neck, told him, we need five minutes of hell, and put the mouthpiece back in. Oh, my God. I said, um. You got to be a different kind of human being to do UFC. 
for sure. I mean, any combat sport, but like especially UFC. I, that's tr- that's real. That's real life fighting. I cannot imagine. Like I just can't imagine doing that. You know. Shout out to Brendan Schaub, who um, I spoke with Andrew Schultz uh, when he was at Summer League a couple of years ago. Shout out to Schultzy. but um, he he had Brendan Schaub on the pod before, and he discussed. Brendan Schaub explained that being around mixed martial artists, you learn a lot about people. And he said that he learned how many people are truly crazy. Right. And he learned how many people are not crazy, but have to take themselves to a place of craziness in order to do that. And he said, yeah. And he said, cause you know, he's a comedian now. And he said just clearly by what he's doing post fight career, it wasn't in him. He got in that cage like, let's display our talents and see what it is. He said until he got in the cage one time and realized the other guy on the other side of the cage wanted to kill him. Yeah. And he kind of realizes like, okay, this is a real thing. I remember uh, Deontay Wilder saying that like, you know, he's never, he basically said something, he's never killed a man in the ring before. and but <laughs> He wants to. Like every time you, you walk into that ring. I, you wasn't, know, that the Louis, wasn't that the Luis Ortiz fight that he said that? I think it might have been whoever it is. Whoever no, it was uh, whoever it was. He knocked him out in his in the the like the I mean, shaking of his earlobe was yeah, the talk yeah, that of Twitter. Was the one. That was the one. Yeah. That was the talk of that Twitter. They the were one. like, "Did you see his ear shake?" And I was like, "What are you? What are we talking about?" But um, no. But in all seriousness, Brendan Schaub was saying that that level of aggression isn't in most people. And I know this sounds like hyperbole, but I did actually. I did a story. Okay. Uh, I believe it was late last year. Okay. About how there was like four boxing deaths in the past yes, like 10, 11 did. months. You did. So every time you step into that ring, man, it's, you know. It's a risk. It's not something you could just do on a whim. Like you really have to. I feel like if your heart's not in it, like certain NFL players will tell you, like unless your if your heart's not in it, you're in danger on the field. For sure. You're like. For sure. Your head has to be on a on a swivel. If you go any play, and I've I've heard certain people that have like broken legs or torn ACLs or whatever the case may be, and a lot of those situations, people have told me, in that situation, that was the one play where I went eighty percent and didn't go hundred. Yeah, man. Because everybody else is around you is going hundred. So if you go eighty, we win. We win that. It's, tell you what, I wouldn't. I'm not getting in the ring. I'm not. <laughs> so that that was a, a an interesting fight, nonetheless, because Lionheart, exactly what Anthony Smith's nickname is, being as Lionhearted as he was, went right back out there. You got to be different, and and started throwing, and of course Glover ended up finishing him. I think the referee uh, stopped the fight, but um, Brendan was saying that what is interesting, he said, is the fight a lot of times doesn't start until after, and uh, I think Schultz was like, "What do you mean?" And he was basically saying that he talked to, thankfully, he had never been like that badly uh, uh, injured in the, in the um, octagon. But he said that he's known a couple of fighters that go home and for the next two to three weeks, they have a migraine. Like their legs are chopped up from the, um, the, from the leg kicks. Oh so he said that he's heard of certain UFC, certain mixed martial artists going back home and essentially having to be quarantined in their room for two weeks. Because the room has to be blacked out. They can't have any sound. They can't have any, like, you know what I mean? They have to keep a a trash can by their bed because they're constantly nauseous. That's what Brendan Schaub said 
people don't talk about. And he said at the end of the day, if UFC fighters showed people what they go through after the fight, he said people would stop watching it. He said because it's brutal. As is boxing. I mean, of probably course. slightly lessened. I would yeah, think slightly lessened. Kicked in the neck, but. Um, but even then, you're getting punched in the face. In, in the liver. I mean, you're. It still it still hurts, man. <laughs> still dangerous. Like like you said, people have lost lives in the ring in the octagon before. So it's like you gotta, you you Can have you to be careful. The CTE. Yeah. I we mean, talk about CTE too. It's. Shout out to those guys because I do I feel like a bad person for watching? No. Sometimes do I, I'm like wow like this is, but you know what? At the end of the day, those guys you know make that decision and they. Right. I wrote about it in the piece, like, right. you know. They signed contracts beforehand. They boxing does, and UFC to an extent, but like boxing because of the longer history, uh, you know, brings people out of poverty. Mm-hmm. It's done a lot of good, right. um, but man, there's no denying the brutality. For sure, in any combat sport, and I think you kind of touched on it already. Um, and and I'm just not gonna let this go by really quick. I know this is kind of off off kilter a little bit, but you guys are listening to 91, or excuse me, you guys are listening to Talk That Talk on 91.5 The Rebel HD2. I'm Terrell. This is Salim. Um, I know it's a little bit off kilter, but while we're talking about combat sports, I do just want to say, uh, rest in peace to former actor, writer, WWE superstar Shad Gaspar. Who um, rest in peace. Yes, rest in peace to Shad whose uh, body recently washed ashore um, out of California Beach. Um, just just a heartbreaking story to to to, to read. And how, how old was he? Shad was 30... Oh, I don't want to be wrong. I want to say he's 39, bro. I want to say he was 39. Jesus. Oh my God. Shad Gaspard was... Age. Okay. Yeah, he was 39. Um, and this is what's interesting because um, I just, I, when I looked at his name just now, um, they started to go fund me for his family. And supposedly an anonymous WWE superstar donated $40,000. They believe that anonymous WWE superstar is John Cena. So that's awesome, if man. that's the case. John Cena is the best guy. Credit to John Cena. Shout out to John Cena. Prayers to the Gaspar family. Um, just a couple of things. This is not a, this is not a moment where I'm about to just rag on the WWE by no means, but it it, it takes into account things like this because um, shout out to Shad simply because my first introduction to Shad, no doubt, was through wrestling, and it's interesting because I told my dad when whenever I saw Shad, his he was in a group called Crime Time, and I play I, every time I heard either one of their names, I played the song in my head, and I was I played it, and it's interesting because they both, according to their storyline, was from Brooklyn, New York, um, both black guys, of course, and um, that's when I told my dad recently, like I just understood it, like they took two black dudes from New York and made their tag team Crime Time. That's so. And I told my dad it made me go back to listen to the theme song. It started off Brooklyn, Brooklyn, bringing it, bringing it, bringing the hood to you. And it made me look back, and I told my dad, Shad was a father. Shad was a writer, and that's what they reduced him to. Shad was an actor. Shad was a bodyguard. And all I know him for is crime time. 
I told my dad, I'm disgusted that I, I didn't know those things about that man until that man passed. That's what they reduced him to. That's terrible, man. Like, That's gross, bro. It's disgusting. Like, I just can't get over it. Because to find out that he was a bodyguard for 